welcome to Jeanette's TV. I'm your host, Jeanette Burke. We are live on location in Thornhill at the Studio Hair Salon. And tonight, I bring you a very special episode. My guest, I've been after her for months to be on my show, and finally tonight, it happened. Now, you might know her because she is a celebrated Canadian author with 10 books, 10 published books. She's also a columnist, and she is a savvy mom blogger. Welcome, Rebecca Eckler, to Jeanette's TV. Thank you for having me. I've been watching you. Thank you. Thank you, and I'm glad you're here. So as I mentioned, uh, you have sub written several books, 10 in total, and the theme of your book is mostly about motherhood. Now, there's been a very interesting bunch of books about different aspects of motherhood <laughs> from, from right from pregnancy right on through to the blended family. Um, I love some of the titles. I'm just going to name some of them off. So the first book, Knocked Up, we'll get back to that. Uh, Confessions of a Hip Mother-to-Be. How to Raise a Boyfriend. That's a great title. <laughs> Got to get that book. The Mommy Mob. Oh, that sounds interesting too. Uh, wiped. Life with a pint-sized dictator. That was about your son, right? No, that was about but my daughter. daughter. Yeah, she was okay. a pint-sized dictator, that's for sure. Okay. And, um, and most recently, your new book is called Blissfully Blended Bullshit. And I have it right here in my hand. So, first of all, what prompted you to write all these books about different aspects of a woman's journey? You know what, it's so interesting just like hearing you say it because Blissfully Blended is my 10th book and Knocked Up was my first book. So my daughter is now 16 years old. So people like, have followed my life pretty much because mostly I read memoirs, um, which I started with Knocked Up. And quite frankly, I was a columnist at the National Post at that time and uh, an agent from a publishing house actually came to me. And at that point, I had told no one I was pregnant. I was feeling miserable. I was like at two months. I was, you know, nauseous. She's like, let's meet for lunch. And all she said to me is, she's like, what are you interested in writing? And she was actually, I think, the first person I told. I said, I'm interested in writing about being pregnant, like the truth about being pregnant. And she was like, sold. Like, <laughs> that, that was it. I was very, very lucky. Um, that being said, my writing style is very conversational. It's very different than, you know, just a, a columnist writing about, you know, the science behind something. I like to get down to like the relationship part of everything, um, and into the, you know, share what women really think and um, be kind of like I'm a truth teller. That's what I, I think of myself and, as. And I, I, I tell the that, truth. I think that, you know. Women need uh, somebody like you who can tell it like it is and that they would feel that they have a place to go to and maybe somebody who understands where they're at at the time that they're there. 100%. And maybe 100%. there's not an awful lot of out there like that. So you're kind of like an avant-garde. Yes. And Well, um, sometimes I like to say I'm too, can I'm too, too candid. That's what I like to say. I'm too, too candid. It gets me into trouble sometimes. But it also gets you a nice following, right? So yes. let, let's talk a little bit more. So I know Knocked Up, and I know we're not going to get into the legalities of it, but Knocked Up was your first book. You were pregnant at the time, and it wound up becoming a movie um, from Universal. And I don't know if there's some similarities or not, but would you like to talk 
to our audience about this because I don't think a lot of people realize that the story or the movie Knocked Up was actually um, somewhat of your own story or is your own story. Well, um, it was very interesting because what people thought was, you know, um, I have written about it. Uh, I wrote a, a, a large story about it for McLean's magazine. And what people thought was, oh, the movie came out with the same title. She's suing because it made $100 million uh, opening weekend. And the truth of the matter is I actually had started that lawsuit about a year before once I found out that there was a movie of the same name. And, you know, I had some friends in L.A. who worked kind of like in the mailroom who shot me over the script. Um, and that's when I was like, my heart sank because I, I believe that um, someone had seen it and uh, and um, yeah so I sued them and um, and you should have and I'm you know that was really courageous of you I don't know that everyone would do that but it's obviously your own story so. I mean yeah I'm a Canadian writer going up against Universal Studios and Judd Apatow like come on really but yeah I mean I feel if there's an injustice then you have to fight for it. 100%. And you're also speaking up for yourself in the time of Me Too movement where we're just learning to do that for ourselves. And it's unfortunate because you know what? It's not unheard of for people to steal ideas or steal whatever, but a lot of people just don't have the money to hire a lawyer in the first place. And the, I mean, the outpouring of people, I just remember saying, I, this person like is exactly the same. And I, unless you can afford a lawyer to play with the big boys, then, um, but you, you know, you had a valid point and a case and it's been settled. So obviously it was worth it and you had a right to stand up for yourself. And I think we should also note that, you know, your, your books have really gone and span like an, an, an array of topics for, for women from pregnancy to being a single mother to yes. having two children. You mentioned your daughter, Roan, who's 16, who's been you know very you've been having her in the spotlight with you since she was quite young since she was actually born I guess and your son Holt and you know there's a lot of women going through similar situations that are trying to have families and also pursue their dreams so I would like to ask you how do you see that or do you have any advice for how you can see that coming together like First of all, you really do march to the beat of your own drum, right? I mean, I do. I mean, let's be honest. Like, we're in a Jewish community, right? At Thornhill, there's not too many mothers who have two children from two different fathers who have never technically been married. Like, let's just lay that yeah, out, I'm, right? I'm glad I mean, that you are because I wanted to get into but that. In large scheme of things, you would not believe. Like, recently, I just wrote a story called "I Suck at Relationships." Plain and simple. There was so much response from people who were on their second and third marriages who were like cheering me on saying, it's okay that you have two divorces, you know, and two different kids from two different dads. That stigma, I think, has diminished a, But do a lot. you have two, two divorces? I thought you were never married. Well, I mean, you consider, you know, I did live with each of them for more than three years. So under the law, you become technically common law. So you are under the law of now, just Now, can like I just married. ask you, are, are you against marriage or is it just something that, you know, you felt like I'll just keep my identity and I'll keep my independence and, you know, I'll have my kids and my career and I don't, I don't need to be like a married woman. 
Yeah, you know what? I am a, like a hopeless romantic. I kind of like the engagement phase, and sometimes I think like, let's like, you know, you get engaged, let's like take a beat, let's enjoy the honeymoon phase before the planning. The other thing is like, quite frankly, I am inherently lazy in <laughs> when it comes to planning things. I'm not interested in napkins. I'm not. I love going to weddings. I love hearing the speeches. But as a, you know, so I just kind of let it. Slide. But as a, as a savvy mommy and a savvy entrepreneur, like what advice do you have for other women? Because, you know, today we are getting married and divorced a lot. And there's often a lot of financial um, ruin because of that. And now you're a woman who's like standing out there almost like a, a that girl of your time saying, I can do this on my own and I can do it independently. And, you know, is there advice that you have for other women who might be worried that, um, pursuing their dreams and having a family and getting married multiple times may be costing them the fortune that they built. Um, well, in my case, with the second one, I will admit that, you know, uh, when we blended families, he moved into my house and I had a fully furnished house. Uh, when we broke up and he left uh, a lot, I mean, I had an empty living room for a good month or two. But um, in this case, you know, my lawyer said to me, like, what's the goal? Do you want him out of the house quick? And I said, yes. And she said, well, the way to get him out quick is give him whatever he wants. If he wants the TV, give him the TV. If he wants the couch, give him the couch because they're just, it's just stuff. And she was right. It is just stuff. Did I take a financial hit on it? Yes, I did. But was it worth it? Because we had so imploded, like our family had so imploded to the, to the point where I was, you know, almost paralyzed and couldn't get out of bed. Yeah, it was worth it to give away the TV, the couches, the carpet, whatever. So down to down to the shower caddy, quite frankly. So, okay, okay. yeah, so. So speaking of the blended families, right? Because a lot of people are going through this. What do you see as like the best part of the, being a blended family and the worst part of it that people should look out for or that women should look out for? Well, definitely if you're a woman entering a blended family, um, I, I mean, I can only speak from a kind of a, a woman's point of view because that's, mm -hmm. but you need to have the biggest heart. You need to be so selfless and you need to really ask yourself, are you prepared for kids who may not like you, for a husband who is not going to necessarily put you first ever because his kids will always come before you. Um, for all these things, are you you know willing to shell out your own money for someone else's kids? Um, and then we brought another kid into the family too. So I had a daughter, he had two daughters, and, then and we had a son together. So it affected everyone in the family. And that's why I wanted to write this book because yeah, I'm not interested in stepmother, stepchildren relationship, okay? I'm, you know, anyone with half a mind could figure that one out. But I was so surprised about just all the variations of people who had to get along. Like my, as of now, I will tell you this, I mean straight up, I'm being honest with you, as of now, so I have my son 50% of the time, he's with his dad 50% of the time, but he has three sisters, one who is my daughter, and one, or, and two who, who uh, from his father's side. I don't ever see those, uh, my ex's children, and my daughter has no relationship with uh, my ex's other two children. So there's these two 
girls out there who are related to my son who I never see. Um, okay, so how I, did, yeah. does that affect you or does that affect your kids? Do they feel like, hey, I used to have more siblings or, aside from your son, like, you know? Well, actually, you know, it was very interesting. My son, you know, people are always worried, you know, how divorce is going to impact the children. And that's probably why they, uh, most of the reason they stay together, but which is, I, I don't believe in that. But my son was not affected at all by the divorce because he had grown up seeing one sister go off with her dad and seeing the two other sisters going off with his mother. To him, it was perfectly normal, which is kind of a sad state when you think about it, right? But maybe not for today's world. We maybe not for today's world, exactly, yes. And, and so what is, what is the most important or main message you want people to know about when you wrote this book? Well, first of all, I wrote it. I had to write it as if no one in my blended family, that included the grandparents, the nieces, the nephew, anyone who came into the life, the ex, my ex, my, my daughter's father, even my daughter, I had to write it as if no one was going to read it, to be completely candid about what people have to face during, if they're blending, thinking about blending as they blend and after they blend because there was nothing out there about what happened after you blend. Because for me, it only became worse after we blended, not better. Excuse me, I'm just gonna wipe my nose, because. Do you um, need tissue? Yeah, so it got worse for me, and there was nothing out there about what happens after you blend, and all these BS arguments pop up that you're not prepared for, and all the feelings that you're not prepared for, and how, you know, I never really felt like a priority. Um, you know, and there was a lot of tattletaling going on. Basically, I would say to people, discuss every potential outcome. Who, are you okay disciplining someone else's children? Uh, how are you going to split the bills in the house? Who's going to pay, you know, for that, your bio kids tickets, uh, if you want to go on vacation? Like, why? Yeah, I, I you know, think that these are things we don't think of because we get never caught, think of. caught up in the... Fairy tale aspect, right. and, and I had definitely love goggles on, and and also back to your point about women. You know what's unfortunate is like I wrote knocked up. I got pregnant at the exact same time when my career was at the high, right, right around thirty, right, and many women. That's when they hit their like they really get their groove on, right, and um, so knocked up was totally honest too. I mean the things I was worrying about like is this going to ruin my career now that I'm pregnant because another columnist could just come along and scoop up my job and I had worked mm -hmm. so hard too. Right. And well, also, yeah, it's very hard to make it in the media and crawl up the ladder. I know that, you know that. And yeah, I can see that as a valid concern. Yeah. And, um, and those were the things that I knew you didn't ever read and no one ever shared that, those like feelings of, and worries. And, you know, I'm, you know, you're beautiful and you know stay fabulous um, so are you and you know I, but my daughter was also an accident too right she was not a planned baby so suddenly I was like oh my gosh I'm pregnant and within I think literally two weeks I had gained like 10 pounds do you worry that when she hears that she may take it offensively that she's an accident yes no, I, I'm imagining more than 50% of kids out there are accidents, quite frankly. <laughs> Not accidents, but okay. I don't mean accidents, but I, we were drunk. That's what I, that's what yeah, I, it was she your was engagement party the night that she was that's conceived. That's right, yes. Right. 
So, um, but she does have a good relationship with her dad, right? Yeah, she really does. Actually, it's gotten better, um, I think. And she travels with him. And yeah. I, I followed your posts on Facebook. I even see that she went out with her grandparents. Yeah, every, um, you know, like I said, I have, I call it one good divorce and one bad divorce, which is a pretty way, sad way of describing divorce. But um, yeah, for my daughter's birthday, every year, um, my parents, me, my ex, which her father, and um, her grandparents from the other side, we all go for dinner. Okay, so I want to ask you a couple other things. Do you find other women critical of you? and judgmental of you because you've lived a, a very different sort of lifestyle that may, you know, do you find that you get judged, criticized? Um, or do they yes, accept you I, No, you? absolutely. Like, I, I mean, not, not, I have to say my followers are so wonderful. Like, honestly, I have become friends with a Love few them. of them yeah. and they're wonderful. It's more people in the industry who you think that would be should be supporting you that don't. actually don't. And that, 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 that bothers yeah, and me hurts, a lot. Right. When I was starting out, you know, it was never, uh, it was never the older woman columnists helping me out. They were, they were actually poking fun of me. Yeah. And, and, and so actually, I, I to have, you, know, you know, were they judgmental of you? Like, I know sometimes uh, I, I read somewhere that, um, that your writings were, um, perceived as coming from, uh, a place of privilege and um, that there was some judgment on you because you decided to leave your 10-month-old baby to go meet a, a boyfriend on tour in, in Well, no, in I, it was his father. And yes, I did leave my 10-week-old baby to go to Mexico. Um, so how do you feel about it? When, <laughs> like when, when people come up with these claims, like, you know, do you feel judged or do you feel that you know, you just want to live your own life and make your own choices and decisions, and you well, you're it's just quite doing that. clear that I don't bow down to what other people think because uh -huh. why do I care what other people think? It's my kids, it's my family. I'll raise them the way I want them, yeah. and you raise your kids the way you want it. Yeah, you know. Um, but I find now it's kind of yeah. Of course, people judge. People judge everything. But what about your own mother? Was she supportive of you and your choices? Because a lot of times, you know, women like don't have the support of their mother, and they're going through all of this stuff, raising kids, going through divorces, whatever, and they're being told, you know, just stay in that relationship. Well, I, I, I gotta say, I think my parents knew from an early age. I kind of beat to my own drum. Um, that being said, I mean. They were my choices, and I'm an you know you, you're an adult. I'm an adult, and you can do what you want. I yeah, I, I felt like I, I can do what I want. But that being said, um, I, again, I don't want to make a sweeping generalization, but as even my grandfather, who was in his 90s, I when I became pregnant, talk about judgmental. It was on the front page of the National Post. Mm -hmm. More than 200 people canceled their subscription because I wasn't married. Uh -huh. I was pregnant, but I wasn't married. Uh -huh. So that was actually just six, 16 years ago. And that was 16 years ago, years ago but now is, it's much more accepted. Absolutely. Yeah. No one's telling women they have to be married first. Yeah. In fact, they're saying, no, well, they shouldn't say so, you know, why waste the money I, on a I, uh, I just want to sort of touch on a couple other things, which is, you know, um, you are a trendsetter. <laughs> you are definitely a feminist. But do you see yourself as a role model for other women? 
who are trying to raise kids and pursue their dreams the same way that you did it. Do I see myself as a role model? Yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't say role model. I would say more like treat me like a friend because I, I, I am writing to you as if you were my friend. But you might be the only person that they can go to. That's we right. Totally and, understand them. and you know what? Sometimes it's not always that great. Sometimes I do get, you know, these private messages from women who are really, really upset. And um, I have to get in touch with them because I don't want that on my hands. If You know, if they're very depressed about something. Yeah, I should have yeah. really been a therapist, to yeah. tell you the truth. So, but I understand. And, and tell me if this is correct or not. I believe I saw a post about it that you are thinking or you are going to give up Savvy Mom. Is that true? Yes, I actually um, came to the conclusion that it was just not making me happy anymore. It just wasn't. I had been okay, well, writing, you, I, you know, I wrote about... But one you won two awards and everything, so you're going to give it up. I won lots of awards. I'm still nominated for one that's uh, coming out in January oh, congratulations. again. So um, I just felt, you know, after three years of writing about parenting every single week that, you know... It's time for something else. It's not even some time. I've been working since I was 17 years old. I am now 46. So... I feel uh -huh. like I need a break, honestly, and I That's think a lot, lot of people, and it takes uh, to quit a job without actually having anything, but to have that mental, you know, like... So, so what are you going to do next? Well, I'm thinking, I thought I'd stop at book 10, but it seems that one is brewing in me. Uh -huh. uh, I write a column for the National Post right. called Mum 420, which is about Yeah, I want to talk about that, because you've, yes. you've been putting Mumming out cannabis. some... Yeah, you've been putting out some really good stuff. I've been reading some of this stuff because you posted on Facebook. And I looked and I followed the link to the article. So let's talk about mummies and cannabis, okay? You're very open about the cannabis use. Um, a lot of people are now using cannabis for various reasons and, you know, the medical side of it and the non-medical side of it. Um, how do you think using cannabis can make a mother somewhat of a better mother or more, I guess, more relaxed mother? Well, I think that's, you said it exactly. It makes you a more relaxed mother. Like, I'm not running in, like, you know, I remember with my daughters, like, watching certain TV shows, and I just wanted to bang my head on the wall. They were so annoying. Um, same shows, you know, uh, now that cannabis is legalized, I watch with my son. Not so boring, lining up cars for hours, like toy cars for hours with my son when I'm like microdose. Not so boring. Going so, to a kids movie, not so boring. So these these <laughs> pills, right? You take. Uh, you've been talking about these cannabis pills, right? Yes. So, so is that prescriptive? No, you can go on the um, government website and you just click, click, and, and in five days it's at your house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. And it's all legal. That's the other thing. But I, I do say to my, you know. It's legal, but it's not legal for people who are underage. Right. So your kids, you know, they're aware that you're doing this. So are you concerned that, you know, they're going to do the same or you have, they're going to get hold of it? You know, how, how would you advise another mother to handle this situation? Um, 
Well, I mean, you have to have, these days you have to have constant talks with your children. It's not like a sit down, here's the drug talk. It's mm. been, you know, four, three, four years of in the making of talking about, you know, cannabis and drinking mm. and partying and mm. what could happen if you drink this much and what you should do mm. if you want to get out of a situation that you're not comfortable in. So we have those conversations, not just, you know, on a sit down every Monday at seven o'clock. Well, it's, if it comes up in the news, if we hear a story, if, you know, someone on Instagram is posting, I'm about to go buy weed from my brother, you know, we talk about that stuff. Okay. Well, that's good that you have such a good open relationship with your kids that you can talk about all this stuff. But one of the other posts I saw the other day that you put out had something to do with the Jewish guilt of the Jewish mother. Oh, for the Canadian Jewish news, yes. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about that because... Um, I think there's like the positive and the negative aspect to that Jewish guilt. What do you think? What do you think? Um, what do you think? Can can you harm your kids with the with the Jewish guilt? I think so. I honestly do think so. I, I, me and my daughter are very close because I raised her. I was a single mother to her, and she lived with me ninety five percent of the time for many years. So we are very close. I'm, uh, you know, sometimes I think eh, maybe we're a little too close. Um, but is it like, what's the harm in the guilt? Cause you wrote about this. So I pulled my first guilt trip on her and she's 16. And as the words are pouring out of my mouth, I'm like, who are you? What are you saying? This sounds so horrible. She does not deserve this. You're just in a bad mood. You, you're just mad at her for being quote, a typical teenager. And I felt not, so I gave her a guilt trip and then I felt incredibly guilty after and um, I'm still feeling like I'm still like I cannot believe I did that and the interesting thing is I asked my mom who always pulls guilt trips okay yeah so does mine <laughs> always <laughs> and um, you know she'll say something like would you like to come over Sunday I'm going shopping today I need to know I need to you know it's just like that pressure or guilt trip that you that you need to tell them right away um, so I felt terrible. So honestly, it was one of the worst feelings I've ever felt. And I don't think I will give her another guilt trip unless it's joking. I'm lying in bed. She's downstairs. I'll text her. I gave you birth. Bring me up a chocolate bar. Right. Um, that's okay. But when I asked my mother who is 74 and a great grand, like she's a great bubby and yeah, she's great a great mother. Yeah. I said, do you recognize that you give us guilt trips? Me and my three brothers. She's like, I never give guilt trips. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, they never recognize it. And I just like, do it. are you like a stand-up comedian now? Like, what? <laughs> what is up? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I know that feeling. They don't recognize it. That's yeah. the, that's the problem. Uh, the problem is, I did recognize it, and it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. It is a terrible feeling for both parties. I, I don't think it's a healthy thing. I don't think so. Okay, so we're coming to the close of the interview. And before I give you the shameless promotion, I just want to ask one, um, yeah, we call that the shameless promotion of the segment. One last question about, is it true that I read this about you, that you are a big fan of Margaret Atwood? Yes, and I'm that a huge you went fan. to a charity event and paid $7,000 to be named one of her characters. Yes. Which character? In what, what book or what series? Um, oh my God, the Oryx and the Crank, I think it was called. And they Please, named, let's check on that because and, and, it was and a while named, ago. It was, the character was named Rebecca? Rebecca Eckler. Oh, and I made it good. to the second book too, the follow-up book too. Oh, I didn't have to pay wonderful. for that one. 
How wonderful. <laughs> no, I am. Actually, she, you know, she was one. She, she, I like her on a personal level. I like her on a professional level. Um, I mean, yes, she's I incredible what she does. Yes, I can see that you have does. a lot in common with her. I mean, I have a portrait of her in my main oh. floor washroom. Oh, like, wow. seriously. <laughs> Wow, so you really are a fan. I am a fan, yes. I've been, I like her stuff too, you know, like uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which is a very popular series now, so I don't know. I know, it's, yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of funny. I mean, Rebecca Eckler does not fit into a Margaret Atwood normal character name. It, so, but, it, but it was fun. I mean, a lot of people do it. Stephen King does it at auctions, like a lot of other authors do it, you know, for no, charity. No, it's great that you have I, that. I don't yeah. think a lot of people It, it went to a good cause, that. so I, I, I don't feel any guilt about that, no. Okay, it's not about guilt, it's just, uh, and it's interesting, actually. Okay, so um, this is the shameless promotion part. We're coming to the end. Um, please tell my audience how they can purchase your book, this okay. book, or any other your other books. And anything else, you know, where we can reach you and how we can, how we can get your books? And you can have a new book out. How are we gonna get? Um, well, it's very easy. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com if you're in the states. Amazon, Amazon.ca if you're in Canada. Um, just type in my name, and all my books will pop up. It's pretty easy. It is okay, pretty do you, easy. Okay. Do what about the blog? Do you wanna? Uh, give us an uh, URL for the blog in case people want to go and I know you're done oh, writing about okay. parenthood but um, they can still benefit from the information absolutely you know what I wrote a lot for savvymom.ca but also if you just want to if you're bored one night and want to scroll down my Facebook I do post everything I write um, professionally on my Facebook we're about to close off. This has probably been one of the best interviews I've had in a long time. I very much enjoyed uh, chatting with you and you sharing your information with us. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm pretty sure a lot of my female audience will greatly benefit from what you have to say and, and you what too. you have to write. You're a good interview. I, I enjoyed this. It was Thank fun. you. Thank you for being with us as well. This is Jeanette Burke, your host, signing off for Jeanette's TV. Please remember to like, comment, and share all our posts with the wonderful women and the smart men in your life. You will find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Vimeo, YouTube, Instagram, you name it, we're there. Hashtag Jeanette's TV. And until next time, continue to be fabulous.